to the Dr. Lori Marvis podcast, and today I have a very entertaining and exciting guest, Mr. Christopher Karnick. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I think I misstated your name wrong. Did I say Karnick or Karnick? Let you me said Karnick. You said it very well, and most okay. people don't. Okay. I was impressed. Thank you. Well, I won't restart the podcast, and if I, if I said it correctly, I, I, it's one of my pet peeves is to have someone mispronounce your name, because being Marvis... Marbus, Marbus, Marbus. You know, so I, it's I, Marbus, right? Marbus, yeah. Okay. It's Filipino. My husband gave this to me, so I will wear it with pride, <laughs> however it's <laughs> pronounced. But, um, you know, it's an amazing thing. I found you on Facebook, and you have a, a bread and breakfast called Pirate Palms in Naples, Florida. Yes. But the story goes much more than that. It's a book in Confessions of a Star Trevor, one of three books. So let's just get started from the beginning. Tell me how your adventure into all this started, even maybe into this being a chef, or you can go wherever you like, how you found okay. plants. Please. Well, what had happened was I was a chef in Seattle, Washington. I had two restaurants. And um, after I had decided to leave Seattle and go live in a tiny little village in Spain, um, I opened up a themed dinner party place called Casa Cebedias, and um, it was quite popular. We would sell out, when we would open for reservations, we would sell out within one month for the entire season. And we would do TV interviews and demonstrations, and things were going along swimmingly, except for, well, you know, when you're around rich food all the time, you know, you, you eat it, you know, out of duty, Right, <laughs> that, and also I love to eat. I love good food. I love groceries. Don't mess with them. But um, and you know, eventually, I mean, I was getting older. I was at that time, I was around fifty-five, and I thought, well, you're supposed to hurt when you get up in the morning. That's just part of it, and your joints and everything. And um, I went into the doctor's office just for a regular routine. There was nothing wrong or anything. And um, bottom line was when I left that appointment, I was given blood pressure medication, and I was told that my cholesterol was high, I had high blood pressure, and I was obese, and um, I was going to, you know, I needed to do something. And I was honestly shocked, and because I didn't feel anything, I just thought everything was fine. And so what happened was... Um, I went on the blood pressure medication, and one of the side effects of blood pressure medication for men is it lowers your blood pressure, which it's supposed to do. But there are times guys need a little help from Hemo the Magnificent during intimate times, and if there's no blood pressure, then you know you can't rise to the occasion, right? And so my doctor said, "Translation: erectile dysfunction." Thank yes. you. <laughs> And the doctor said, well, you know, we have a blue pill for that, and it works really well, and, you know, you should try that. And I was like, okay. Well, I decided I'm going to save it for a special occasion, you know. So I'm on a cruise, and, um, you know, look, time looked right, popped the pill. And then going about my uh, – having an intimate moment, having intercourse, <laughs> and all of a sudden um, I looked down. And there was a large pool of blood where I thought something had terrible had happened to my partner. And when I withdrew, the blood was coming out of me. It was coming out of my penis. And um, I completely freaked out. And the first thought in my mind was, I have prostate cancer. 
because you know that's the thing that guys worry about. So I went to sick bay, and sick bay, you know, said, "Well, when you, you know, when you get back to shore, you know, we'll get tested." And went back to shore, got tested. Uh, my PSA levels were low. The uh, prostate exam was normal, and they said it was just a fluke. That can happen, which I think every guy in America and the world needs to know that can happen. But it cleared up after about three months. Every time I would uh, get an erection, there would be a, a little bit of blood and then less and less and less. And then after it was cleared up, I thought, oh, I'm going to try another blue pill, you know, and it happened again. Mm. And it happened a third time. And then that was, uh, that completely destroys life's second <laughs> good pleasure, you know, f eating and sex, okay? Right. And so um, I went on the search on the internet uh, to find out what's causing this. And you know, there has to be other people who've had this happen. And I have, in my findings, found Dr. John McDougall. And I looked at his website, and I sent him an email directly and he actually replied back. And I asked, I said, are you, this is one of John's handlers or is this actually Dr. McDougall? And he said, <laughs> and he said, no, it's me. I answer all my own emails, which he'll kill me for telling people that. But he said, could you try something for 10 days and we could get you off your blood pressure medication and you know, you have high cholesterol. It was just about 200. And I said, oh, in 10 days. And, and first thing I thought was, oh, well, how much is he going to charge? And what kind of m miracle powder is he going to sell me or whatever? And he said, oh, no, just food, just regular food that you can buy at the grocery store. Could you do 10 days? And maybe you'll lose some weight, too. And I decided, you know what? I am sick and tired of thin people telling me what to eat, and if I eat like them, I'll look like them, and because it doesn't work. I've been on a diet since I was nine years old. You, I, in my book, Confessions of a Starchivore, I go from Atkins to the zone. Every single diet I did, how much weight you're supposed to lose, what you can have, what you can't have. But I decided, okay, Dr. McDougall, this whole plant-centered thing, no oil, yeah, sure, I'll do it for 10 days. But uh, I have to confess. I overate. I mean, I, <laughs> I did. <laughs> I didn't just eat, you know, till I was sated. I ate too much. And so that first 10 days, I only lost like three pounds. Mm. But my blood pressure was 120 over 70, which is normal I, w in 10 days. So it wasn't the weight. It was what I was eating. It was the food. Mm. And then I just continued. And I just continued to eat that way. And like I said, I loved to eat. And then I had a huge variety of food. There was absolutely nothing boring. And in total, I've lost 80 pounds. Um, I was sharing at, uh, in Spain at gyms, yoga centers, clinics. And then um, laws in Spain changed with taxes. We were being double taxed. And so moved back to America. Yeah, they started taxing. Double on taxing? Double taxation. So I pay tax in America okay. for the money I earned in America. I pay tax in Spain for the money I earned in Spain. But then I had to pay a second time for the money in America because I was a legal resident of Spain. Oh, wow. So anyway, so I moved back here. Right. And that was how 
Pirate Palms got started. Because when you're traveling, it can be really challenging. You know, you, you panic a little. Where am I going to go eat? Where can I go? And, and don't, you know, I'll, I'm sorry, but vegan restaurants are oftentimes not that healthy. A lot of times their food's full of oil. Some of the best vegan restaurants I've found are steakhouses. Oh, yes. The side, the side dishes and salads? Yeah. you can At a steakhouse, you can usually get a baked potato and steamed vegetables, and there's usually a salad bar mm-hmm. with garbanzo beans. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I've been, uh, I was in Chicago, and I, was, I went to a steakhouse that actually had steak knives pla- like on plaques for, for their customers who eat in the largest steaks. And I had some of the best vegan meals in that place. It was fantastic. Sweet potatoes and steamed veggies. I mean, they brought it out like on proud plates. They were so excited to serve something different, too. Yes. It was amazing. Wow. And so. when, um, I, and I think you, you know, you feel so much better right. also after you. And then uh, you think about when you go to the steakhouses and your friends have eaten, you know, like a side of beef. Right. And they're like, oh, my stomach. Yeah. And, and you're like, well, mm-hmm. I'm full and I feel great. Right. Exactly. And you have energy and you're, you don't have the meat coma knocking you out trying to go to sleep. And oh, and how do you like it when people tell you, oh, I need to eat meat for energy? And oh you're like, um, you don't get energy <laughs> from meat. <laughs> um, you get sleep and just lower, you know, obviously ED issues and blood pressure issues and cholesterol. I'm curious, were you on cholesterol medication at that time as well? No, they were going to start me, and they were watching that, and that was going to be the next thing. And uh, for me personally, I don't like taking medication, so the physician knew I wanted to avoid that. Mm. But my cholesterol, since doing uh, this way of eating, um, in this last November 2016, I had my blood checked, and my total cholesterol was, drumroll, 98. 98 total cholesterol. Total cholesterol. They had to do the test twice because the clinic didn't believe that it could be accurate. Oh, no. My son, who's 20, he eats this way. His total cholesterol last fall was 88. That's incredible. I mean, and this is a young man who has gained 30 lean muscle pounds in the last probably four or five years. He lifts weights. He's active. Amazing kid. Wow. So you've been on this, this way of living for four and a half years? Four and a half years. October 1st. Four years ago was when I started. All right. And you've had that amazing experience. So the Pirate Palms, how long have you been there? Well, we officially opened in December. And it's a... it's a Just this recent December? Just this last December. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so it was... That's like, so We weren't cool. really sure how it was going to go. And what's interesting is when we open our... Ne- we don't have an opening until April. Um, and it was shocking but it is a, a private guest house and so people have there's two bedrooms bathroom kitchen and then there's access to beautiful swimming pool and it's on three acres and in the back acre is an edible forest that was created by Erica cloth of Florida edible landscaping so she landscapers over a hundred trees but everything is edible so like the ground cover is made with cow peas. An edible forest. An edible forest. I'm so intrigued. I really <laughs> need to go see this. And it's just you across the to. coast. Oh my gosh. Edible forest. And it's a uh, permaculture. <laughs> so wow. right now, the because the trees are so young, there is a drip watering system just for two years. And after that, it will create its own little microclimate. 
and so there will be no more irrigation. Everything will be self-sustained within the, the garden, the edible forest. So now are you going to be open year-round or just in the season? Year-round. I'll be honest with you. I love summer in Florida. You're the only person I know that loves summer in Florida. Oh, you know what? All you need to do is get in a car and drive during season, and you will love summer because... <laughs> they're all gone. <laughs> they're all gone. <laughs> and for the longest time, I thought I didn't like Florida because <laughs> I used to come from Spain, and I would come during the holidays, mm -hmm. and it was like, oh, everybody's all angry, and they drive erratically. And my father died. And when I was started coming in the summer, I was coming more often to visit my mom, and I was like, wow, in the summer there's these, this whole group of people that are really nice and <laughs> friendly. And then I realized I love local people. <laughs> it's the tourist I didn't like. It's the one. So in case anybody doesn't understand, which I, I didn't understand a few months ago when I first moved here, they talk about the season. Yeah. Well, in Colorado, the season is the hunting season. So I'm like, what do you do, hunt people? I, I didn't quite understand. But no, it's the season when those in the north, especially particularly the northeast, migrate down to Florida for the winter, typically from November to April. So um, the tri the traffic becomes uh, erratic is a, is a kind word. Um, <laughs> I will never, ever complain about Colorado drivers in the middle of a snowstorm going over the Rocky Mountains ever again because this place is a zoo sometimes. But um, you're, you're exactly correct. The permanent residents are fantastic. They are. And the summers can be... Um, Wonderful. I mean, you know, because the area knows how to keep cool. Mm. So, you know, you have a swimming pool, and in the summer, you know, it rains. Mm -hmm. um, I will add, Naples, Florida is number one in the world for lightning. Oh, wow. <laughs> and number two is a little village in Africa. Oh. So, so but the, <laughs> the storms are very short. Yeah. Um, so, like, when it rains, it's over in, like, two or three minutes. Right. Um, but I do like summer, but most a lot of people don't. It's the humidity. The humidity is high, yeah. Yeah. That but that makes your skin look good. Hey, you know, <laughs> I, I, my need for lotion has already decreased coming from Colorado where it's like, you know, your, your skin's like, oh, my gosh, that is hilarious. So so you've been eating this way four and a half years. You've had, now come off medication. You lost 80 pounds. Your yep. cholesterol is fantastic. You have more energy. You're sharing this message. What else do you do besides Pirate Palms? It sounds like that's keeping you busy. Are there other things that you like to share as far as do you lectures and travel? What do you do exactly? I do. I do lectures. I offer one-on-one -on -one support as well. Um, the gyms love me when I come and lecture because um, my conversion, they said, I didn't know what a conversion rate was. I thought that they only had those in church. But my <laughs> conversion rate, they said, is running 30%. And part of that is because a lot of people think, oh, well, you have to go to the gym and spend hours on a treadmill, and, and you don't. And what I talk about is movement is very important. And as you age, movement is important, and so is balance. Like, I remember one time I had a trainer that said, okay, stand on one foot. And I'm like, okay, I'm paying you by the hour. I can do this at home. He said, now close your eyes. And it was like I couldn't stay on the one foot. And what they're trying to illustrate is how our balance changes. And, you know, balance is really important as you age. Move, movement, mobility, that's more important. So I think if people find something they like to do, if it's just taking a walk, get up and take the walk, but make sure it's something you're going to do. I happen to like going to the gym. Yeah. I have friends that are there. Um, there are people I can talk to. There's, I can have 
I don't go for hours and hours. I did in the beginning, though, I'll tell you. When I was, before I had this way of eating, I was going to the gym for an hour and a half to two hours, three times a week, and nothing, nothing was changing at all. Then I um, started to do this way of eating, and I went up to the front desk, and I said to the manager, I think maybe I need some personal training. And he put his head on his desk and said, gracias a Dios, or thank God. Because he said they saw me working so hard and not getting anywhere. And the first thing they said was, we're going to reduce your time in the gym to 45 minutes. And it wasn't like super duper intense and stuff because it should be comfortable, relaxed, and you should feel good when you leave. And so I encourage people, find anything. And Naples pickleball is is a big thing, which I didn't even know what pickleball was. Do you know what pickleball is? Someone told me about pickleball. I have yet to play pickleball. Apparently, it's quite it's quite popular in grade school as well, in certain parts <laughs> of the country, but not in New Mexico where I grew up in the middle of nowhere. Well, in Naples, there's a cult. Oh. There's a pickleball cult. <laughs> they have conventions and tournaments and everything, yeah. Um, but find something that you enjoy doing, and that's, that's the most important part um, because you... I am, can see what happens if you're on a treadmill forever and you're not getting anywhere. Mm. 85 to 90% of your success is going to be based on what you're eating. Mm. And the rest of it is just to keep you mobile and, and in good shape because we are designed to be mobile and not to just be sitting around. And, and I think that's what people forget that as humans, we're not, it's not normal to be sick. But in America, we've come so accustomed to taking medications and going to see the doctor to, you know, give us some pill that make us feel better, be it, you know, controlling numbers for diabetes, blood pressure, whatever, and dealing with those, you know, subsequent consequences of, you know, side effects. And, and it's really sad as our culture has developed this that it's, it's abnormal not to be sick. Yes. You know, and people look at you like, wow, Lori, you're going to be 47 this year, and you look great. It must You're just so unusual. No, actually, that should be the normal. The sickness is the unusual. Or people say, oh, you're too thin. No, I'm actually in normal weight. Right. Okay, let's go back to what we're supposed to be. Right. And uh, But, you know, as a chef, you have the skill that many people don't have. I mean, like you were saying, we were talking earlier that people don't cook anymore. How would you bring that to the masses? Do you have any advice or suggestions? That's a really excellent point, Laurie. And, and what um, I will say is, first of all, let's look at how people used to eat. Do you remember that um, old thing, peas porridge hot, peas porridge cold, yes. peas porridge in the pot nine days old. Some right. like it hot, some like it cold, some like it in the pot nine days old. Do you know <laughs> where that came from? No. Because that's what people used to eat. They would have something in a cauldron by the fire for all week long that they would, you know, throw a little bit more water on or throw some carrots in. And sometimes it was hot. Sometimes it was in the, you know, it was cold. And sometimes it was in that damn pot for nine days old. Right. But what they did was they would have a feast maybe for a special occasion or even on a Sunday they would have a – and today what happens is we have Easter for breakfast we have Thanksgiving for lunch. We have Christmas for dinner and a birthday party for dessert, as opposed to just eating more simply. So like when people come to Pirate Palms and we have like, like one of our 
plant-based dinners would be starting with a mock chicken liver pate, um, a wild greens with raspberry vinaigrette salad, and mushrooms bourguignon, and a chewy fudge brownie um, with a banana ice cream. They think, well, you eat like that every day? No, no. This is special. But what I will say is that diet that I just mentioned is 100% compliant. All plant-based, no oil. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, I'm, I'm starting to salivate just, okay, I'm going to have to come, like, next weekend maybe. <laughs> beans and rice, right. the staple of so many cultures, mm -hmm. and it, it's very simple mm -hmm. to eat. And actually, I met with someone last night who said, oh, I only eat beans and rice. Okay, and, um, but they have a, a severe weight problem. And so then I was trying to hone in more on that. Because they were saying, well, I eat beans and rice, and, and look, it's not working. Let's talk more about how you're preparing it. Well, when you add lard to the beans is one thing. And not only that, is cheese and sour cream on top <laughs> of it. So it wasn't the beans and the rice, but it was what you were adding to that right. that, that caused the difference. They, you know, it's a misconception. People think, oh, well... I'm going to eat my, I've been eating my salad and I can't lose weight or whatever. But they, they neglect the fact that they just poured, you know, four or five tablespoons of an oil-based dressing with a minimal 120 calories per tablespoon. Exactly. Of pure fat. You yeah. know, and one of Dr. McDougall's favorite quotes of mine that I use with patients all the time is, the fat you eat is the fat you, you wear. wear. <laughs> and I just, I love that because it, it really reminds you. It's like lips to hips. It's, it, there's no joke. Within minutes of that processed fat, being in your mouth, it's going to be stored on your hips or belly. And you know what? Speaking of that, I did talk to uh, Dr. McDougall's daughter, Heather, and I asked her, I said, okay, so like when you were a kid, did you rebel, you know? And she said, oh, yeah, I did. And she said, whenever we would go out, she said, we were able to order anything we wanted off the menu. And she said, but then what happened was, she said, I started getting some acne. I was getting a little bit chunky. And my dad just said, well, cut the nuts out uh, of your diet, you know, because she was eating tons of nuts. And she said, even today, her weight will fluctuate based on the amount of nuts mm. that she's consuming. But she said, as a teenager, as soon as she cut that out, her acne went away. And Interesting. So she was convinced on the diet, even as a young kid, not being forced, but just based off of the results. Yeah, you know, but there are so many health benefits to nuts and seeds as well. So, because um, I, I I tend to preach more of the nutritarian way of eating because it's I think it's easier to convince people to say oh instead of eating a plant based diet, saying let's eat the most nutrient dense diet. And obviously, you have to keep the nuts under control because right. that can be actually a trigger food for many people. It's high fat, high protein. It, it feeds the palate. They like it. They taste delicious, especially when you you know salt them and roast them, which we you know I encourage the raw nuts. Um, but they're, they, they have some very important qualities, omega-3s and all those micronutrients and stuff. So, um, But, yeah, it's, it is incredible how people... When I do use nuts. Yeah, so when I, I was too, talking about that day. mock um, liver pate, mm -hmm. there is a quarter of a cup of those nuts in the entire recipe. Right. And I think what happens is so easy to open a jar of nuts mm -hmm. and, you know, eat them by the handfuls going, right. oh, this is part of... My diet, and what you said is really important, and that is uh, 
In Spain, we'd say un puñal, or and that's on the loose. It's not even Spanish, but it means just a handful. Right. And um, quarter cup to handful. Quarter cup, yeah. All day. That's all you need. Right. Um, and and then, yeah, exactly. And I tell them put it on your greens, make it your salad dressing because that'll mm-hmm. help you absorb your nutrients, that type of thing as well. So, absolutely. I mean, that's that's incredible. So you have in at the Pirate Palms. There's so there's a guest house. Is there just one guest house? Just one guest house. So, okay. So you, people and their comments. If you look at the reviews, people are like, I felt like I was at my own little private resort. Wow. And so you it, you're not coming there. Two things you're not coming there for. You're not coming there to meet other people, mm-hmm. um, except for us. You know, we're there. Right. The other thing is you're not coming there for a health resort that's a supervised program. I am not a physician. Mm-hmm. What I am is I'm a chef that is uh, plant-based. Mm-hmm. And what I will do is provide for you breakfast that you don't have to worry about. Mm-hmm. And we also provide private chef services. So people who want to have dinner can pick from a variety of menus and I'll prepare dinner and you can relax knowing that it's going to be compliant. Wow. I can't wait. I'm so excited about this. So how did Confessions of a Starchivore come around? How did that? It came around because I had been doing this way of eating for about two years, and I decided I wanted to go to the McDougal Clinic and do the live-in program. And they have a 10-day program in Santa Rosa, California. And at first I thought, is it worth it to go to that? And, um, And I looked at some of the reviews and some people and they said yes and I'm really glad I did because I got to witness 45 people go through the change and not everybody was doing oh, there was one guy that was there they said his next stop was going to be a coronary bypass and while he was there in the 10 day you know when I say a 10 day program let me explain you have an all you can eat buffet three times a day there is a suite with uh, that you can with card access 24/7 with all kinds of food for you to eat because you're never to go hungry and they have excursions and all these it's like being on a cruise ship um, without the motion <laughs> and what was interesting was with all that food that guy lost 10 pounds or t- 10 no he lost 11 pounds in 10 days mm-hmm. he looked better and uh, his cholesterol had dropped. Mm. And we, on the last day, we were like, so you excited you're going to keep doing this? And he said, I just don't think I can. What? I just was amazed at how powerful a food addiction can be. <sighs> you know, and, and that's very true because what I do, where I work at the Health Oasis, um, we have the medical side, which is the medical monitoring. We provide the food, breakfast, lunch, and mm-hmm. dinner, accommodations where they can stay, beautiful place. And But with that, we have the clinical side, which is the behavior modification. So these are clinical psychologists who are very attuned to getting into your brain and shaking things around. Mm-hmm. And um, I sat in on one of the therapist sessions um, as an hour and a half, but two hour and a half sessions, and so for three hours. And I came out of there feeling like I took Valium or something. And <laughs> and I've only taken that once when I had eye surgery. Um, and it was such a, like, calming experience. And I don't even necessarily say I have a food addiction. All those little Girl Scout Thin Mint cookies are seriously addicting. Um, other than that, you know, I, I was overwhelmed by hearing these stories of 
what started it. And people are stuffing emotions with food. Mm-hmm. So that becomes this one, this, this uh, habit, almost like smoking or drinking or whatever, to remove yourself from your problem. But the other thing is that we have, what we don't think about is the qualities of this processed foods and the things, even meat and cheese and the casins and, you know, everything that breaks down and hits those opiate receptors. Mm-hmm. But the big food companies, what they've done is they've created these frankenfoods that actually go in and hijack our taste buds, but in our brain cells as well. Mm-hmm. You know, they're hitting those reward centers. Your brain, your body responds by, you get this huge rise of dopamine, but over time, just like any addiction, the brain's like, dude, I can't take anymore. I'm going to dull this down by saying I'm not going to hang out so much with these receptors. And you have to take even more. Right. And that vicious cycle, and then you're depressed because you're gaining weight and you're on medication. I mean, this is just, it's such a vicious cycle to pull someone out of that and put them in a safe environment has been so rewarding. But yeah, we had, we've had people lose up to 18 pounds so far in seven days. In seven in days? In seven days. That's amazing. Um, and, and close to 50 pounds in about five and a half, six weeks. And, you know... It's incredible to me the amount of food that they had to be consuming to maintain an unhealthy weight. Yeah. But it goes back to show I've had patients come off blood pressure medications, multiple ones, within five days of being there. They maybe lost five pounds, and they have, you know, 100 more to go. Right. But the internal changes that are going on are incredible. So everything you said is absolute truth. I've seen it over and over again. Well, and what's great, I, I love knowing that you have – uh, the Oasis Center over on this coast mm-hmm. because uh, I think it's nice for people over here and then they don't have to go all the way over there. But, you know, the other thing that I don't think people realize is besides, you know, weight loss and health and everything, a lot of people will say, okay, well, oh, Christopher, you're 61 years old. What Which, do you put you, by the way, you don't look 61. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> look amazing. They'll say, what do you put on your skin? Right. And I just keep thinking because I, I don't. Right. It's like... You know, you, people need to think about what they're taking in to make the skin. Right. But they don't want to know. They want to know, what can I just slather on top and keep eating unhealthy? Mm-hmm. And, you know, something you mentioned earlier, I, I think it's really difficult for physicians, mm-hmm. and particular physicians that are just starting out. Mm-hmm. Because when you have a patient that comes in mm-hmm. and they tell you a problem, mm-hmm. they expect you to hand them a pill. And if you don't hand them a pill, they're going to turn around and go somewhere else. And especially when you tell them, well, you know, if you were to change your way of eating, then they're going to go, oh, well, she's not a very good doctor. And it's like, no, she's an excellent doctor. And she's not buying into the whole pharmaceutical game. And as a physician, you look at my last name mm-hmm. and you know, I come from a pharmaceutical family. Carnrick Pharmaceuticals in New Jersey I grew up in that industry, and my last job was at Carixa Biotech Pharmaceuticals. I was in human resource, and I can see how the whole thing works. I mean, it's, um, I think that we could create an entire revolution just by changing how we eat. And could you imagine if we didn't need pharmaceuticals anymore? Well, and know, there's some that are good. No, absolutely. And I and I and it's not that I'm I never want to demonize a company. I'm trust me, I'm conservative fiscally. I get it. I, I'm all about capitalism and making money. But when it comes to the point that we're missing the boat where we could I think more along the lines of our big governments involved and mm-hmm. I think big foods responsible for a lot of what's going on. Besides us giving up our kitchen to, you know, corporate America, we need to take that back. But pharmaceuticals are going to respond to the demand. 
Mm-hmm. If we have heart attacks, killing most of you know most that's our number one killer. They're going to make medications and appliances and interventions to to address it. If we eat better and our demand changes, okay, maybe it's going to be the resistant bacteria that we're developing because of overuse of you know antibiotics mm-hmm. in our food system. Right. That's what they're going to do. So the pharmaceutical, I think, will take care of itself. Mm-hmm. They're going to respond to the demand. I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about is. You know, the the food corporations and the government subsidizing meat and dairy, making it so much cheaper than the foods that are actually going to heal us. Mm-hmm. That's what has to change. Yeah. And, and unfortunately for doctors, when I started this five years ago, there was nowhere for me to go to learn how to approach this. Mm-hmm. How to, one, address it with my patients in a 20-minute family practice visit. Mm-hmm. You know, two... How do I convince someone? I, I didn't even think about the psychological component. I mean, I understood there was depression and they were feeding it, but I never really understood the deepness, the root. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm astounded every single day at the, pe- the amazing people I work with. That needs to be addressed and how they can do that and make a living at the same time. And it's not that your doctor wants you to be on medication so you keep coming back. That's not it at all. They just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And then they're human and they ha- they're also fighting their own food addiction, whatever. You know, doctors have the highest suicide rate besides dentists and of any profession. You know, we have issues ourselves, and we're very, very poor about speaking and getting help because there's fear of losing our licensure, mm-hmm. and we lose, therefore, we lose the one thing that we have to support our families and ourselves. And I mean, so there's there's many things that go on in, in the medical society that we need to address within ourselves, and we need to make that change. No, I agree. And also, what you were touched on was about the food industry. What I find very frightening is as this movement of becoming more plant-centered, I'm starting to see some companies grabbing on that. Oh, look, this is plant-centered. And then when you really start looking at it, it's like, no, it's not. And you've added all this other stuff, and you're manipulating it so that I can get my brain stimulus. Right. No. And so they'll they'll say something is uh, vegetarian or vegan or whatever, but it's full in the back. You're like, again, so we're looking at a chemistry lab of ingredients. This is a problem. You're right. You know, I, you tell people most of your time should be spent in that produce section. The canned beans are fine. The frozen are fine. Right. But, you know, I think people are scared to walk into it, their kitchen because we many of us didn't grow up cooking. Luckily, I grew up in a home that said my mom was like, you're peeling potatoes, kid. Get in there. Because we didn't have money to eat out. We, mm-hmm. we ate what we grew, and we ate a lot of beans and potatoes, and um, which is to my benefit. Right. Um but so I think it behooves us to listen to people like you and who have those skills to make it easy to get back in the kitchen and not be afraid. It's just food. Well, and they shouldn't be afraid. And what's interesting is a lot of people ask me, well, where were you trained as a chef? Here's how I was trained as a chef. I, was, I ran away from home when I was 17, and I lived in a commune. And in the commune, I ended up... The story gets better. <laughs> I know. She, she didn't know about this part. But what happened was, um, I, in this commune, I had to feed, I was in the kitchen, I had to feed 36 people. I didn't know how to cook, really. I mean, I enjoyed cooking when I was a kid. I would do stuff. But what we had to cook was what were donated. And so, like, um, we did have a garden, and so you have this massive stuff. And it was, and back then, I remember once we got chicken necks and peanut butter donated. Oh, chicken necks and peanut butter. Chicken necks and peanut butter. And so it's like, okay, what am I going to do this? i got to feed 36 people. There's pregnant mothers. You know, I have to make sure that they're getting good nutrients and things. And so you get really creative with whatever you have, which we had a lot of 
Thai curries, <laughs> in case you're wondering what I did with chicken necks and peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I love Thai. I love and you curry. Can do, I mean, a lot of people are just shocked. If, if I would say most of your listeners, if I were to go into their kitchen right now, if they said they had nothing to eat, mm -hmm. I bet you I could make a complete meal mm -hmm. out of what they have. By the way, do you like wings? Wings? Yeah, you know wings. Like chicken like wings? hot wings. With oh, the hot wings? Uh-huh. I never did really because they kind of grossed me out, but I uh, do like, is it cauliflower you're going to Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I do like cauliflower I wings. Make the, I love that. Mm. And I have this this uh, dressing that oh you dip in and it's all compliant. and it's We're drooling here together. Just and you know what else <laughs> you can do? If you know how to do those wings, let me tell you something. Get the same recipe but without the wing sauce okay. and, and make your best ch uh, fried chicken batter okay. okay and so then you dip the cauliflower in that okay. and then roll it in like panko crumbs and then bake it okay and what happens it comes out like crispy fried chicken so I'll do that with mashed potatoes and golden gravy and so for people that are like um, having a hard time and they want something more traditional, mm -hmm. I do that or a meatloaf, meatloaf I call it, or wow. or my macaroni and please. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so you're going to send me some links, right, that I can I put on here on the information Absolutely. for the because <laughs> I will send you the recipe for the wings. Oh, that's fantastic. With the ranch dressing. Cool. And then what I like to do is I like to make videos for my Facebook um I have over almost 11,000 likes on there. Wow. So what I like to do is um, make videos showing people, one, how they can do it on 50 bucks a week because mm -hmm. that's about what we get in, in SNAP benefits for one American adult. And so I like to take obstacles and obliterate them. That is my goal. As in the military, you know, they blew things up and stuff. So maybe that was where it came from. I don't know. But, you know, I like to show that food can taste good because, honestly, mm -hmm. what got my husband on board to stay on board was he tasted food that was amazing. Yeah. And... Um, and, and plus the rich rolls story, and it took, you know, an alcoholic lawyer to convince my husband that maybe he could do this as well. So forget that I'm a physician and, you know, whatever I've done. Well, you know, the whole food and tasting good. You know, Dr. Pritikin. Mm. Wait a minute, he wasn't a doctor, was he? No, he was an engineer, Sorry. just like my husband, Nathan Pr Pritikin. Yeah. Nathan Pritikin, the reason why his diet didn't succeed because I'm sorry the boy could not cook mm. the, and the food wasn't very interesting and then the, one of the things I think r to be honest that made John McDougall's approach work was because of Mary uh. you know Mary was back there because if the food doesn't mm. taste good we're not going to eat it people aren't going to eat it and you have to be you, you have to change how you think Right. about food because it's like okay well you're not going to be sauteing in what you normally saute in and then the first couple of times then you're like oh I get it when the light bulb goes off you can find any recipe and you can convert it Absolutely. and make it compliant Absolutely. And it will taste good. Fantastic. So can I come? So I'm doing this special thing. It's called the Doc and Chef Inner Circle. Okay. And what I've taken is I'm going to take 20 people, and I'm literally just for 30 minutes, the pilot program to see if I want to do this long term. I'm taking 20 people, and I'm literally going to be their optimal health coach, not their doctor, not giving specific advice. Obviously, I'll help them along. But I want to show them that one food, it starts with food, exercise, movement, stress reduction, that type of thing, because that's all I do. This is what I do. Mm -hmm. So I want to really bring it to a, a program. 
But if I can come over and maybe spend some kitchen time with you and do a Facebook Live, you'd be one of my experts. That would be so awesome. You bet. Oh, thank you so much. We start March 6th, so I'm gonna, we'll be talking and setting that up. So right. um, it, it's, a, it's an incredible opportunity. And then going on there from as a subscription course, and anybody can join. Um, but I just think they need some guidance to show that you can change and your life is worth it. And the life that we're supposed to lead my life changed. I, I was never overweight, so I never had to deal with that so much. But my thigh... I still I, like you, even though there's a little bit of me that doesn't skinny. want to like you. <laughs> <laughs> a skinny me. Um, but, you know, I was always, even though I was thinner, but I, my parents even thinner. My, like, I was told I was the, the big-boned one in my family. And I, I am not big-boned. Okay. I had some psychological issues to deal with. But the one thing that did happen, though, I was deathly ill with allergies. Like, I could have never lived in Florida before. Three medications. And I'm talking three decades of my life I dealt with this. And um, I've been hypothyroid for 20 years uh, since the birth of my second child. And Jonathan actually ended up with severe dyslexia. And it's very common with people who end up with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Their children end up with dyslexia. And wow. this kid... Um, I feel horrible because I didn't know, and it's not, you know, it's not that I have this guilt and shame or whatever. I mean, I understood, but I didn't know. If I would have known what I should have known about nutrition, mm -hmm. this would have never had, my child would have never had to suffer. Mm -hmm. um, he's done well. He's an amazing kid. He's got the amazing work ethic. He, you know, he's going to college, he's doing fantastic. But the key is to that was that, you know, he was born with his thyroid actually test came back abnormal. Mm -hmm. And within a few weeks, he was okay. But my, my antibodies went and attacked him and caused him to suffer. And for a mom, that's really hard to, to deal with. But then my thyroid dosage continued to increase until five years ago, and it has decreased every year since. Mm -hmm. And my thyroid, I thought, was dead, you know, or at least partially functioning for all those years. But it's an autoimmune process that's showing that even, you know, 15, 20 years later, you can still see improvement. Mm -hmm. It's insane. Yeah. There's no doctors tell you that. Well, let me ask you. I mean, you can tell people. I mean, tell me about all the years and years and years of nutritional classes you had in medical school. Oh, you know, they were so vast, <laughs> all of zero hours of them. Yeah. You, and that's it's an unfortunate thing because I see my daughter entering medical school this summer in, or fall. And uh, I just think to myself, if someone could go into her, just her one medical school class, you know, maybe 150 kids or young adults, I should say, excuse me, she's still my kid, but young adults, <laughs> I, I've been told um, to monitor my speech. And so if someone could go and convince even half of them to pursue this way of life and share this with their patients, it would be it would be a, a game changer if you did that across the nation in our medical education, mm -hmm. because doctors have a power. We choose not to use it. We have a power to affect so many people. And that ripple effect is really cool. I get dopamine hits from helping people. And um, I call it veggie crack. It really is. It's hashtag veggie crack. It's amazing. I, I get tickled when people, for example, I have this wonderful patient in uh, Colorado before I left. She entered or started a lifestyle medicine program. And she came and she, she ended up telling, she ended up losing like 25, 30 pounds in our 15-week program that we had. She told the story of how she would go to a dressing room beforehand and try on clothes, not necessarily for a special event, but she would end up leaving, not buying anything, but crying in the dressing room because, oh, yeah. one, the lights are horrible. Yeah, they're going to make you look bad regardless. <laughs> Those yellow. But she never found anything that she felt good in. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate that clothes have such a power or the, or the thought, the 
um, you know, people, women have, have described themselves as slobs. And they're not. They're amazing people who have accomplished a, a wonderful thing. It's like, you're not a slob because you're overweight. But then she lost the weight. But what happened also was the transition of the mind. And she goes, I went in afraid, even though I'd lost this weight, because she was holding on to her old self. Yeah. But she had done enough work, because we had, we had psych- psychologists, mm-hmm. psychologists helping us. When I walked in, I laughed and looked at myself and said, I look awesome. She ended up leaving with three outfits. For me, hearing her cry, telling that story, mm-hmm. was so powerful. Well, you know, uh, it's interesting you bring that up. And in, in my book, Confessions of a Starchy Boy, I talk about, you know, I told you I was on my first diet at nine. Mm-hmm. And so when I would go to buy clothes, um, I, and I discussed this, it's, you know, the, I remember the clothes, the shopkeeper saying, I'm sorry, we're going to have to go to a husky. And the the look of disappointment that I felt from everybody because I was wearing a husky. And for those that don't know, husky and boy sizes is a polite way of saying fat. And um, I grew up always embarrassed to even be out in public eating because I thought people are looking at me saying he really shouldn't be eating that. Every time, even Wang, the scale had so much power in my life. I had rituals, what I could do, what I could not do the night before I was going to weigh, when a certain time that I can weigh, where the scale is on the bathroom floor. You won't understand this because you've been thin, but people who haven't, you know what I'm talking about. I had three babies, so okay. I did lose some <laughs> but post-pregnancy people do weight. know. I mean, we have these rituals, and then when we get on that scale, based on a number, yeah. will affect how I feel for the rest of the day, how I feel about myself, how I'm going to respond to other people mm-hmm. and then as you're losing weight you know even and putting on a bathing suit one of the things I had a criticism from somebody that said there are no pictures of you in your before pictures without a shirt on there's a really good reason for that I wouldn't allow it right I was one of those kids who thought if you wore a t-shirt in the pool people couldn't see how fat you were of course, you know, we didn't understand about the wet T-shirt <laughs> concept then. But um, I was just, I just did a lecture at a doctor's office last week, and I had somebody ask me, what motivates you to continue to do this lifestyle? And I said, I never want to go back. I, I don't want to go back and, and be ashamed of eating. I don't want to go back and feel guilty for enjoying one of life's pleasures, which is enjoying food. And we shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be torturous. It should be comfortable. And it can be. And I know I'm like, sound like I'm preaching this religion, but it made such a difference. And what it does, the whole, you know, you heard about, you know, fat shaming and stuff. It's because we feel it's our fault. We're told it's our fault. My, my, my father, the physician, said, when people look at you, they, they are judging me as a doctor because, you know, my kids are fat. And um, then we start thinking about surgery. And you know what? Wow. I just want to mention, and it's in my book also, if you look at those surgery programs where they're doing bariatric surgery, right. yeah, those people are on these crazy diets, and they have to continue those crazy diets after the surgery, or they start gaining the weight back. Mm-hmm. It's not taking care of the problem. Right. It's just another thing that right. people can do. Exactly. You money. can have cancer and lose weight and get 
rid of your diabetes and hypertension. I mean, there's many ways. Just because they rearrange your internal organs and make your pouch where the food sits, your stomach, Mm -hmm. smaller does not cure the disease. What's going on up in the head? Because you're still going to be eating those foods. The cravings will still be there biochemically and psychologically. And that's the unfortunate thing we see. As a physician, family doc, yeah, so the bariatric surgeons will have the, they do their surgery, Mm -hmm. and they follow up with them long enough to, you know, they're healed up from their surgery. Well, those land in our offices, Mm -hmm. the primary care doctor's offices. And we get the the ones that end up with ulcerations, and they're on chronic pain medications, and they're, you know, their vitamins they're not absorbing, and they're chronically anemic, and we're doing iron transfusions, and they're depressed because 30% of them gain the weight back. You know, and so that alone is extremely frustrating. If we spent the money that we have now, an entire new specialty of physicians, mm-hmm. and put the, these people say, you have to do six months, like if, for example, in one of, like a center like ours, which mm-hmm. is, is groundbreaking as far as a medical model, that would take care of a lot of those issues. They may need even more than six months, you know, guided help. You know, mm-hmm. people can stay with us up to four months. And um, it's it's a challenge because we're building as we go. We're learning this process with insurance and all those things. And um, we want to make it affordable for everybody. It's difficult in this mm-hmm. climate in medicine. But it's um, all of us eat that way at the clinic. And we're determined, like you said, because you don't want to go back. We don't want others to go back. Mm-hmm. You know, you go into medicine to heal and mm-hmm. help people. This is the only way I found true healing. A prescription ad does not heal unless you're giving an antibiotic for an acute infection or something like that. You know, surgery can certainly heal if someone's having an right. acute issue. But when it comes to chronic disease, which is 80%, 90% of our issues, we don't do a very good job. Mm-hmm. We spend more money than any other country, yet we have some of the sickest people. Right. Yeah. And you know what? A lot of people will ask, my mom in particular, mm-hmm. um, she'll say, well, you've done this long enough. You don't need to do it anymore. I mean, you're, you're fine now. And what they don't get is what will completely change is when you go to a restaurant and they tell you that there's no oil or if they tell you something's compliant and it's not, you don't feel good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know right uh, Right away. It's like, no, I, d- I have a stomach ache. This doesn't feel good like it used to. Flu. You go from the, the jalopy to running a 10-cylinder, whatever fancy, expensive car you want to put there, you put, you know, sand and crud or Mm -hmm. whatever junk in the tank, you're not going to run efficiently. I understand that completely. So we were talking before the podcast how both of us, we like cheese, right? (laughs) Well, and dairy in general for me, but I went to, um, I'd been three months compliant (laughs) to a plant-based diet, and my children were still in this, you know, rebellious transitional phase. Well, mom, we're going to go to um, a yogurt shop. Mm-hmm. And they had almond milk yogurt. I, so I wasn't still, I was still not, I hadn't pulled out the sugar and all that stuff yet. And I was like, okay, that will be fine. I can do that. And I'm not a big thing on sweets, but I was like, but they did ran out of almond milk yogurt. And I said, oh, I'll just have a little bit of the dairy-based. Holy moly. <laughs> I might as well have just been given the flu on a platter yeah. and said lick it. Mm-hmm. Because I have never been joint aches, body aches fatigue and it lasted 24 hours and i thought oh heck no never doing that again yeah it's food poisoning it is exactly what happened it was not worth and that was just three months Mm -hmm. and that's when my allergies had disappeared so yeah (laughs) it's so very true oh my gosh it's incredible um so you know at the i know i've kept you almost an hour Uh and um bless your heart and um i always like to ask people what's the one bit of advice 
that you would like to give anyone who's considering changing to this lifestyle? I, the one bit of advice I would tell you is for those of you who think that it's difficult, it is not difficult. The most difficult part of this way of eating is family and friends. It's a constant battle because you're going to be being bombarded with, uh, you're not getting this, you're not getting that, or what kind of a doctor did you go to that told you to do that? And it's like, oh, gee, let's see, one that's thin and healthy as opposed to yours. <laughs> no, that <laughs> Exactly. Look at who's preaching the message. Yes. Dr. Atkins was not a healthy man. No, and look at some of those other books, too. Right. And exactly. what about that gal that's, you know, promoting, you know, eat fat to get healthy? Have you seen her? No. You, you can't, you, you know, look at the life that those people are leading. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I will be happy to be transparent. I exercise seven days a week. Um, anywhere from I run and then I do Lee puts me through the ringer from progressive <laughs> self defense and then you know I was training with John and I'm hoping to get back into that but I've just been really busy in the evenings but and I'll be 47 I ran two years and ago she doesn't look 47 no thank you <laughs> I ran you know six marathon half marathon I was running a half marathon a month until I busy with work but you know I've done tough mutters with my kids up in Snowmass Colorado it's like at 11,000 wow. feet with my 20 year old kids um, this 11 mile obstacle course. I've done, um, Spartan races. I'll do another one this April. And it's so, those are the lives we should be leading and you're closing in on 50 as a woman. That seems incomprehensible for many people. And then I'm not saying you have to do that, but you should have the choice to do it. Yeah. You shouldn't have to be limited by the foods that we're eating and held hostage to something we don't even understand. And so I, I think that's wonderful advice. You're absolutely right. Create yourself a circle of influence or a support. And don't depend on magic powders or magic exactly. fruit. It, you know, having, right. there's nothing, there's no magic. Right. It's just whole food. It is whole food. It's the food that God originally gave us in the package yes. is the prescription has already been there. It's been there for millennia. And, you know, the one thing I hate is the, the people who say, well, it's the paleo diet, blah, blah, blah. You know, back in that time period, the lifespan was 25 years. I know. I'm only laughing because I actually <sighs> had somebody tell me, well, you know, um, the paleo people live longer than we do. <laughs> And I'm um, like, I, I really don't think that's true. And she no. said, oh, no, it's true. My trainer at CrossFit told me. Oh, my you goodness know. gracious. <laughs> you know, and that, that's, it's, it's unfortunate that they, you know, and, but they may see benefits because they're going from the standard American diet to a, a paleo diet, so they're cutting right. out all that junk. Yeah, you're going to see some benefit. You may lose the weight. Mm-hmm. But you're still putting yourself in a ketotic, yeah. ketosis phase, which is being in a sick state. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's going to be negation of the exercise there's some really interesting studies coming out with that but the other thing is they've actually done paleo poop (laughs) when they found it in that period they actually ate approximately about 100 grams of fiber per day the average american eats about 15 grams of fiber per day um when i do my calculations if i do mantra i'm upwards of 75 grams of fiber a day i can't even keep up with the paleo the real true paleo so they were they were hunters of maybe rodents typically and mostly gatherers Right. And so um, there's a misconception of what they actually ate. And I'm not going to, you know, base my uh, choices of food off someone who lived to be 25 years old. <laughs> I'm not. 
I'm sorry. I'm pe- well past that, and so I would go be either. Yeah. So, um, you know, I wouldn't go beyond that. But thank you again. I I always like to end with acknowledgement and saying thank you for everything you've done for those who you've reached and will reach and enjoy thank your. You you too. Oh. I am so impressed and <laughs> excited and so glad to see that this is here so close by. It's it's been a it's a it's a beautiful blessing in my life and. Um, I'm just so excited to see where it goes. I've met some amazing people. I mean, the podcast has been such a great excuse to like call people up and say, Hey, <laughs> you know, I got this podcast. I want to interview, but honestly, I'm just selfish and like to meet people. So, um, again, I, I will say thank you. And we're going to put that link to the cauliflower wings and anything else you'd like to share with us. And of course, pirate palms and pirate palms. And you can also find pirate palms on Facebook, which is how I found it was one of your Facebook ads. And I was like, this is a Naples. This is <laughs> awesome. I still got, I, I can't wait to do these kitchen things with you. I'm so excited. And then confessions of a starchivore. And then I am a starchivore.com. Yes. Awesome. And so we'll put those links to everything and people please share this one. This is an amazing, this is one of my favorite podcasts for sure. Um, and you can get the confessions of a starchivore on amazon.com. It's Kindle friendly. And so keep that in mind and share that with people. Um, it's a, it's a great story and coming from someone who actually knows how to make the food taste delicious, which is really what it's all about in the end. It's the food. Well, thank you so much for your time thank with you. me. Have a good day. You too. Thank you.